Well, as most of you know, uh, it is Thanksgiving weekend. And so um, in thinking about what the Lord might want me to speak to you about this day, surprise, surprise, I'm going to speak on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Pastor Ken is one of the brightest guys on staff, and he catches on very quickly, which is what I really love about the guy, and, uh, and I'm thankful to God for Pastor Ken. just want you to just want to know that. I, as, I think, as I was thinking about Thanksgiving, uh, I was also thinking about the fact that uh, along with that topic, how regularly and how often um, I'm unthankful. I don't take the opportunity to, to say thanks. It, it bothers me that how often um, I slip away from a situation and say, like, why, did, why didn't I say thank you to that person? Why, why didn't thanks come to me as it should have? It, it bothers me that I personally am not more thankful, especially as I considered this study and paid attention to what it says in the Word of God about it. Maybe, maybe I mean, is it that I believe that, that I've done all these certain things on my own or somehow I believe that, that I deserve what I got so I don't need to thank somebody for it or that somehow I've earned it so it was just a wage anyway? Is that, is that somehow what is happening in my life? And then I thought a little bit further back in life in terms of trying to understand the nature of our ingratitude and I I got thinking about being a parent and raising children and I remember how hard it was to get the little punks to say thank you. I can't tell you how many times you would have to say, and you know the phrase, what do you say? Have you had to do that? I mean, since they were little tiny things, they're like, I'm not saying thank you. It's like there's a defiance that is built right into us that I'm I'm not going to be grateful when they're little. Now thank the nice man for giving you a sucker. No. You know, it's like, I don't know what it is about us, but we, we have within us this aversion to be thankful, to be, to be thankful. And, and so I, I've come to the conclusion, of course, in the study of scriptures that that this issue of thankfulness is, is a greater issue than I thought. It's, it's a more central uh, uh, matter of the Christian conduct than I at first thought it was. I want you to turn your Bibles this morning to Romans 1. I'm going to take a look at a couple of places in Scripture with you this morning. But, but the truth is that thankful people are humble people. And when you really get down to it, Thanklessness is a measurement of pride. So since this weekend is all about Thanksgiving, it seems to me to be a good time to remind ourselves of the foundational nature of gratitude as it relates to the Christian character. If we're ever going to be go-big kind of people, thankfulness has got to be one of the central characteristics of our life. And I want, to, I want to make a case this morning for Thanksgiving in just a few moments that we have. And I'm, I'm just going to share three reasons with you. There are so many more. But, but I just want to share three reasons with you this morning as to why Thanksgiving is so central and so foundational to the Christian character. Our Father, as we uh, spend a few moments on this theological topic of Thanksgiving, how it relates to, um, to you... 
I, I certainly know from the study this week that this thankfulness thing really matters to you. And so I'm assured that when something really matters to you, by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit, you are going to work at making it really matter to us. And so, Father, I I speak from that confidence that this is something that is on your heart, that you want to be on our hearts. And so I pray, Father, that uh, you will um, take these next few moments and uh, clear away any confusion that we might have and and, um, cause the Holy Spirit to, to... to do a makeover in our lives. I suspect, Lord, within the congregation, there are various levels of thankfulness and thankful people. And so, Lord, I pray that uh, it might be said of us as a congregation, as a people of God, that they were a thankful people. They thanked their God. They praised their God. They expressed a, a sense of awe and awareness of how great their God is. For I I believe, Lord, that if we are to go big in this community, uh, it will require that of us. So I ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thanksgiving, first of all, is an act of worship. I discovered a verse in the Bible, Hebrews twelve twenty eight, which says, Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably. Now, there are many places where worship and thanksgiving are connected, but maybe there's no more obvious one or clear-cut uh, particular verse than this one. Uh, it's hard to wiggle around it. Uh, it's, it's hard to get the idea, well, I'm, I'm just not a thankful person, but I certainly worship God. No, no. There is a direct connection between thankfulness and worship. Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably. There's a connection. Now, here's here's the deal. Here's what makes this Thanksgiving thing so vital. We, We serve a God who needs nothing. We serve a God who owns everything. In fact, the psalmist in Psalm 50 really gives a a pretty good detail of what that looks like. He says in um, Psalm 50 verse 9, I have no need of a bull from your stall or of a goats um, from your pens, for every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains, and the creatures of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world is mine and all that is in it. And then he says, therefore sacrifice thank offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High. At the end of the the psalm, Psalm 50 verse 23, he says again, He who sacrifices thank offerings honors me and he prepares the way so that I may show him the salvation of God. Our God needs nothing. He He owns everything. There's nothing that we can really offer to him or bring to him that he needs. In fact, uh, the Apostle Paul, when he was preaching on Mars Hill in in ancient Greece, 
wandering around the religious icons of the time. He, he was referring to our great God, Jehovah God, when he said he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Because he gives all man life and breath and everything we need. So in reality, what makes thanksgiving so vital and so crucial is that it is the only way that we can reflect our understanding of how great God is and how we can express to him that we actually cherish his glory and his honor and that we want to lift up our praise to him and thank him for who he is, how magnificent he is. In fact, Paul wrote to the Ephesians in the very first chapter of his letter and he said to them three times, that your purpose, your, the reason that God chose you to be in his family is that you might be for the praise of his glory. Is that he chose you in Christ Jesus, that you might be to the praise of his glory. He has chosen you in Christ, that you might be to the praise of his glory. He has indwelt you with the Holy Spirit, that you might be to the praise of his glory. And then Paul goes on to say, for this reason I Cannot stop thanking God. It is the one way that we can express to our great God who needs nothing. That we cherish him. We think he's amazing. We recognize his greatness. That's what makes the, the first part of our Sunday morning services together and Sunday evening services together so vital so necessary, so important, so key. It's a time where we gather together and we start to lift up our voices and we offer thanksgiving and praise to our great God, recognizing him for who he is. It is our time of offering. It is our, that is our sacrifice of thanksgiving that God is talking about. God forbid that we would come into this place and, and think that from that anything less than from the first second we express our fullest passion to God is acceptable to him. We come in here and, and, and sometimes, you know, I, I, I don't know what God is seeing, but sometimes what I see is that people just standing there, folding their arms, not, not singing, not doing anything. What, what in the world, would, why would we think we would, we would worship God acceptably that way? It's our time to appreciate God. Before we spend any time learning more about him, we should first spend lots of time expressing what we think of him. That he is great and we are thankful for all that he has done for us. When I say... In, in prayer or when I express to you in words that, that, that the, the desire of my heart would that it would be said of Calvary Baptist Church, one thing for sure, they were a thankful people toward their God. Well, the expression of that thanksgiving in corporate worship is, is fully expressed in how we engage in the time of praise and adoration and thanksgiving. Think about what we did this morning. We were thanking him for his love. We were thanking him for his faithfulness. We were thanking him for his mercy. 
We were thanking him for so many, for his salvation. And, and, and we were, there were great opportunities for us to express to him with a passionate heart how thankful we are. Thank the Lord. Let us be thankful. And so worship him acceptably. To rightfully honor him. To cherish his magnificence. We are cherishing what we could not get. What we do not deserve. And what we could not earn. Appreciating the activity of God in your life. Marveling over his grace. Honoring his glory. And repenting. As we gather together of the tendency... To exchange the glory of God for idols. The idolatry of ourself. The idolatry of our own self-centeredness. When we come in here, gather together. There is that watershed moment. Is this going to be all about me? Is it going to be about what I want things to be like? Or is it going to be about God? And and it's that moment to say, am I going to exchange the cherish that I have for the glory of God for an idol named me, named Rick? Or am I going to abandon myself and offer to God the best of my thanksgiving for who he is? That's what the Apostle Paul was getting at in Romans chapter 1. When he started to write the Roman church. He was saying, "I'm, I'm, I'm going to explain to you why... The deal is going so bad in your culture. And he writes to them this. Verse 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Do you think that just happened overnight? That one day they were glorifying God and thanking him with a full passion and then the next day they stopped? Do you think that's the way it happened? That's not the way it happens. It's an erosion. It's next Sunday and the next Sunday and the next Sunday. I just stop thanking God. I I just stop praising Him with all that I have. I decide that, that I really don't have that much passion for God. I forget what He's done for me. I stop appreciating him. I start thinking that he owes me something. And so we replace the glory of God with idols. Although they claim to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man, just like me, or you, and birds and animals and reptiles. Why do we do that? Rather than thank our great God? Because we want to control everything ourselves. We want to change the standard so it's something that we can attain with our own strength. We want to... um, proudly honor ourselves 
for how good we are. We want to convince ourselves that we're wise. See, pride hates accountability. It loathes gratitude. And it prefers to honor everything and everyone except for God. It says here, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. How? Where? For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. Do you realize that the the fields of Durham region are preaching the sermon of God's greatness and existence right now? This front display that is so nicely put here for us to remind us of the bounty and extravagance of God and the look at the colors and the amazing things of his creation were designed that by our eyes we would look at these things and lift up our eyes to the hills, to the heavens and say, thank you, Lord. But no, no, we live in a culture that has decided to suppress the truth. We live in a culture where where um, our educators have decided that they would close down the minds of our children. That's what suppressing the truth is all about. It's turning you into a close-minded person. And of all things, they would choose to use creation to be the evidence to abandon God. How bizarre is that? The very way God has intended, outside of his written revelation, to be an apologetic for his existence is being undermined by the closed-minded educators of our culture. And the Apostle Paul writes to the Romans and says, how's that working for you? says, are your people giving themselves over to unnatural lusts? Is homosexuality rampant in Rome? Are are people murdering and envious and greedy and fighting and deceitful and gossips and slanders and God-haters? Are they disobeying their parents? Are they senseless and faithless and heartless and ruthless? How's it working for you in Rome when you decided to stop thanking God? How do we think it's going to work here in Canada for us? I would urge you Sunday school teachers who have the minds of those little kids in our Sunday school department to turn their eyes to the creation and make sure that they know that it is a God in heaven who created all those things. The heavens declare the glory of God. The stars Preach a 24-hour sermon. And the expectation is that God's people would be thankful. as an act of worship. 
because his qualities are clearly seen in what is made by him. I find secondly, from a parable that Jesus told, that thanksgiving is also an act of faith. It's not just an act of worship, but it's an act of faith. Jesus told a parable of um, ten lepers who came to him for healing. You know the parable. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee in Luke 17, verse 11. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed, cured. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. Imagine that in public. (laughs) Imagine one of us, because we have encountered something great that God has done for us. Praising God in a loud voice. And it says he threw himself at Jesus' feet. And what did he do? He thanked him. One guy out of ten. Jesus makes an interesting connection here theologically. He says, was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. The other guys are cured. You've been made well. You've had a complete renovation of life. You've had a a cleansing, a curing, a cleaning, a healing from the inside out. Your faith has been demonstrated by your thankfulness. Now, I want you to know quickly that his thankfulness did not gain him faith. It's the other way around. He was a man who recognized that the blessing of this healing came from God. That's what sets apart and makes a distinction between the other nine and him. What distinguishes true faith versus lack of faith is thankfulness. It's a recognition and connecting the blessings that we receive to the blesser who gives them. It's recognizing, it's sitting down at the table and stopping and pausing and saying, wait a second, this food that's set before us, we might have gone out and purchased it at the grocery store and some farmer might have grown it. One of the guys in our prayer time this morning said, uh, the slogan around is, thank a farmer for your food. Well, that's good. But I got to tell you, it's not the farmer who comes up with the food. Thank the Lord for the sun and the rain and plants that bear seeds. All the time, do you know that? Over generations. Just think of all the plants stopped bearing seeds. How long would we live? This man recognized that the blessing that he received came from the blesser. 
I don't know what happened to the other guys. I, I don't know whether they were thinking, hey, we're, we're going to church anyway to see the priest, so, you know, it's good enough. It'll be good enough. I don't have to. I, as long as I just show up at church, I don't, I don't really have to express with passion my thanks to God. Well, I don't know. Jesus seems to think differently. I, I think it's rather um, amazing and gracious of God that he would cure nine guys who weren't thankful. Did you realize that there's all kinds of people who don't believe in God that are receiving healing from God? What do you think, what do you think it's, it's pharmaceuticals and doctors and nurses? Is that what you think? It's the kindness and mercy and grace of God that anybody walks out of a hospital But only those with faith, true faith, connect that departure from the hospital with the blessing of God and stop and say thanks. The final reason Paul mentions, I think, in 2 Corinthians 9.15, at least the final reason for this morning, He says we ought to be thankful. He makes a case for thankfulness by referring to the indescribable gift from God. In 2 Corinthians 9.15, he says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You know what that gift is? Or who that gift is? It's the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. And and the Apostle Paul, he's left with an absence of Human words to describe the greatness of our salvation. He he says to all of us down through the ages, I can't even describe it. I mean, this thing is so great, and and you ought to be so thankful, and I'm I'm sorry, but I can't come up with enough superlatives to describe this thing, so I'm just going to call it the indescribable gift. Now, every gift that you ever have gotten, you can describe to people. Oh, I got this amazing gun. I, I saw powers over there and I just couldn't resist. Now I can go shoot teddy bears. <laughs> That's for smacking my kid. We can describe the gift. But the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ... It's indescribable. And, and the Apostle Paul says, how could you not be in, incredibly thankful for this indescribable gift? Do, you, do we know? Do we understand that, that once there was a death sentence upon us, an eternal death sentence, and, and that by the kindness and grace and mercy of God, who loved us so much that he willingly sent his son, and his son willingly came to be on this earth, To be a substitute and die a a painful death. The sentence on sin was death. And he died this painful death so that by believing in him, you could have eternal life and not have to die that death. Do you understand? Do you comprehend uh, what you have received in Christ Jesus? 
and you're struggling to, to bring passion to the worship. You're struggling. You come in and you fold your hands. And when we're singing about salvation, you stand there and you don't sing about it. You don't thank God for it. How can this be? You must not have come to a full awareness of what you've been freed from. You've been freed from yourself. You've been freed from sin. You've been freed from eternal death. <laughs> Honestly, don't you think we should be people jumping around for joy? I mean, don't you think it should be hooting and hollering? And not, I mean, it's, it's like you won the jackpot. Beyond. There are people who would give everything they have to be cured of something and walk out of a hospital to give everything they have. And they would give more than they could possibly have if they could live forever. If someone could just find, could someone just find the pill that would help us to live forever? Paul says, we have it. The indescribable gift, Jesus Christ. So do you cherish it? This Thanksgiving? And tomorrow and the next day and the next day after that? I must say, I, I had to ask myself as I was thinking through this, do, do I cherish Christ more than I am concerned about myself? Do I protect my reputation when I'm slandered more vigorously than I'm concerned about God when he, his name is taken in vain in public? Because, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, it's one thing to preach this sermon about thankfulness and the thanklessness of the godless people outside of there, but what about me? What about us? When, when God looks at us, I, I, wonder, I wonder how much thankfulness he really sees in our lives. Do I long for the personal compliments, the well-dones from my superiors more than I long to hear Christ praised? Or to do my part to seek to bring people to honor Christ? Do I clap louder and longer for Jesus then I enjoy the public praise of myself. I hate the stubborn robustness of my own pride. I hate it. It makes me ungrateful. It makes me demanding. It makes me stingy with compliments. I'm soft on defending the honor of God. Complacent and passive and cool concerning praise and gratitude toward the grace of my salvation. Oh yeah, I'm saved. <laughs> Disinterested and hurried in God's presence while I'm casting a very excited eye on other entertaining activities after I get out of his presence. How thankful is that? <laughs> I have built my share of idols, that's for sure. Through trading choices to honor myself instead of spending time cherishing Christ. Uptight about my preferences 
what I want, what I need, my comfort. These things make you small, you know. They make you less than an ideal husband. They make you unspiritual. They make you a flawed father. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift becomes something you just say because it's the thing to say. (laughs) We have to say that to each other. It's the thing to say. Is it coming from the heart, though? Worship and praise really says something about your heart. It really does. I can tell you there's nothing like a trip to a Hindu temple to put some perspective on life. You know, in terms of comparing the indescribable gift of Christ Jesus versus what, and I can say millions upon millions of people are choosing to do. As I walked into a crammed Hindu temple, crammed full every day. Churches aren't. But Hindu temples are. Dodging the uh, severed head of a goat, trying to keep myself from being splattered with the blood from the convulsive response of the goat once its head was taken off. Watching a young couple devoting themselves in marriage, sacrificing a goat to take away all the bad things that are happening in their life. (laughs) To, To start them out on their journey well. It was dark. It was evil. It was horrible. It was dirty. It was godless. Driving away from the temple, one of the men in our car asked our Hindu guide, "Um, so how do you know your sins are forgiven? And she said, oh, we don't. We just hope that good things start happening to us because we offered a sacrifice to the goddess. Well, how can you be sure then that, uh, that uh, you know, that the gods are pleased with you? And say, so, well, we just try to do as many good things as we can. <laughs> so how do you know if it's good enough? And she said, well, we don't. We just hope it is. I said, well, what about Eternity. And she said, I don't really give much thought to that. And Paul says, against those idols and that worship that leads to no security, God has given you the indescribable gift of Christ Jesus and salvation. And you know your sins are forgiven. And you know you're in good stead with God. And you know that you have eternal life. How can you not thank him? How can you not praise him?
the truly faithful can grow in their gratitude and properly honor the glory of Christ. So I want to challenge you as we gather in a few moments at what's called in Greek the Eucharist, which means the thanksgiving. Isn't that an appropriate title for communion? The thanksgiving for his indescribable gift. Thank you, Lord. Can can I encourage you as we gather around the table now that we would spend time reflecting, being convicted by the Spirit of God and resolving that I'm not going to take this salvation for granted. I'm not going to... um, refuse to ignore the, 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 the greatness of God's creation and fail to take opportunity to thank him. I, I'm not going to miss the opportunity before I sit down at a meal and pause and thank him. I, I'm not going to miss the opportunity when I'm with people who don't know Christ to pause and make sure that they know that I'm thankful for my great God. Because I think if we do, then no longer will thanking him for the indescribable gift be it's the thing to do. It will truly be the only thing that makes any sense in life at all. So practice honoring his presence with thanksgiving. Let's load up our lives with gratitude. I think that's a go big formula. Our Father, we're going to move now to the application of thanksgiving to really recognize the indescribable gift Christ Jesus by our sight by our taste by our smell by our ears by our touch And recognize that the majority of the world is still hacking the heads off of bulls and goats. Sacrifice upon sacrifice to the evil gods of their own making. And we celebrate a loving Savior who sacrificed himself once for all. That we might have salvation secure and free. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite those of you who love the Lord Jesus Christ with your whole heart, have recognized him as your Savior, the one who paid the price of your sins, the one who died for you and who has now forgiven you, I would invite all of you to celebrate the thanksgiving. If you have not done that, perhaps the Holy Spirit of God is inviting you to do that this morning, to reach out to him. If there's one thing that Christ proved with those ten lepers is that he responds to people who reach out to him to minister. So he's not far away.
he is close. Invite him to forgive you of your sins, to come into your life, to be your savior, to grant you eternal life, to make you a thankful person, to recognize the blessing from the blesser, and then celebrate. I heard someone during our prayer time thank the Lord for his patience. Our God is an amazing, patient God. In the very context of the Apostle Paul's writing to the Corinthians about the whole communion exercise, he entrenched it in his disappointment with the church that even at the table of thanksgiving, they were divided and mistreating each other. And and he says, um, don't you know that on the night the Lord was betrayed, he determined to go to the cross for your sake anyway? He was willingly wronged for you? And you're squabbling over how much food this person gets and that person gets? You're divided over these petty, petty things? When Christ himself has sacrificed his life for you, you've turned the table of thanksgiving into a table of disunity. Imagine if our Lord, who knows all things, had have looked at the church down through the ages and said, you know what, I'm not going to the cross for them. There's no way. I'm abandoned by them. They betray me. They treat each other badly. (laughs) Forget it. But instead, he loved us so much that he went to the cross anyway that we could be saved. Saved from all this. And all he asks is that we would be thankful That's all. There's nothing you have to do. There's nothing you can do. He just asks you to be thankful. I suspect that either today or tomorrow, many of you will be with family, and perhaps many of you will be with family who do not know Jesus Christ. Can I recommend to you one of the most powerful ways you can witness to the reality of your Savior is to publicly be thankful to Him. That they might see your gratitude. That they might see how much you cherish the Lord Jesus Christ. Love Him and thank Him and praise Him. And take every opportunity publicly to make sure people know that you are thankful to God. And in so doing, by taking every opportunity to praise your great God, you will bring people to praise him too. And God is well pleased when he is praised. Our Father, to you alone be honor and glory and power and majesty and thanksgiving 
now and forevermore.